Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Welcome to another episode of Broadway Nation, the radio show that tells the extraordinary story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African-Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode, It Takes a Woman, or The Women Who Invented Broadway. I've sometimes read or heard people say that Broadway has been a male-dominated industry, If this is true, you would have to acknowledge that the overwhelming majority of those males have come from somewhat marginalized groups, queers, Jews, and other disenfranchised immigrants. However, if we take a closer look, I think we will find that women have had a much more significant and consistent impact on the Broadway musical than has generally been reported or acknowledged. Even though they certainly were outnumbered by their male counterparts, women have still been a major force in the creation and development of the American musical theater from the very beginning right up to today. Now it's my great pleasure to again welcome my friend and colleague Albert Evans to the show to help me share with you the stories of the women who helped bring the musical fully to life. Hello, Albert. Hi, David. So glad you're with us today. Glad to be here. As far as I can tell, during the earliest years of the musical, there were only a few female songwriters and book writers. Well, that's true, but luckily they were all wonderfully talented and prolific, even if they are seldom remembered today. Take, for example, Rita Johnson Young. Between 1910 and 1924, Rita Young wrote the book and lyrics for 11 musicals and operettas including Victor Herbert's greatest success, Naughty Marietta. She had another huge success when she collaborated with the Hungarian Jewish immigrant composer Sigmund Romberg on the smash hit Maytime, which became the second longest running show of the teens. sweet mystery of life, at last I found thee. The secret of it all. All the longing, seeking, striving, waiting, yearning, the burning hopes, the joy, and idle tears that fall. She wrote more than 500 songs, and listeners may be familiar with 
at least two of them that were incorporated into the 2002 Broadway musical Thoroughly Modern Millie, Ah Sweet Mystery of Life, and I'm Falling in Love with Someone. Yes, I'm falling in love with someone. To I'm sure I could love Another even more significant female pioneer was actress, playwright, librettist, producer, and director Dorothy Donnelly. She was born in New York in 1880 into a theatrical family. Her father was an Irish Catholic immigrant who forged a successful career as an actor and singer before eventually becoming the manager of the Grand Opera House. Dorothy herself was an acclaimed leading Broadway actress for about a dozen years just after the turn of the century, and then she turned her attention to playwriting. She would write the book and lyrics for eight Broadway musicals or operettas, including several blockbuster hits. Her first was Blossom Time, her operetta based on the life and music of Franz Schubert, which opened in 1921. 1921 is the same season as Shuffle Along, Yes, and Blossom Time would run just as long. Again, we have the two forms, musical comedy and operetta, side by side. Of course, there would be endless road companies of Blossom Time and several Broadway revivals all the way up to 1943. In 1924, Dorothy wrote the book, lyrics, and directed the musical Poppy, for which she created a career-defining role for W.C. Fields. His signature persona, the bogusly elegant con man, was established in that show, and it would make him one of the biggest stars on Broadway in the 1920s and in Hollywood in the 1930s. And that was all the invention of Dorothy. Then it was her turn to collaborate with composer Sigmund Romberg when she created the book and lyrics for what would become the longest-running show of the 1920s, The Student Prince. Drink, 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 two eyes that are bright as stars when they're shining on me. Drink, 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 two lips that are red and sweet as the fruit on the tree. Here's a hope that those bright eyes will shine, lovingly, long. Like Blossom Time, this massively popular operetta would tour for years, be revived on Broadway regularly into the 1940s, and continue to be produced nationwide into the 1980s. Drink, drink, let the toast on the young hearts never part. Let every true lover salute his sweetheart. Let's drink. Other female songwriters of the period were performers who wrote material for themselves and also for other performers. And one of the most significant is the singer, comedian, and actress Nora Bays, who was one of the biggest stars of the era on a par with Jolson, Cantor, and Fanny Bryce. She even had a theater named after her. Born as Rachel Goldberg to an Orthodox Jewish family, she adopted the name Nora Bays to better fit the Irish songs that made up most of her repertoire. 
She contributed songs to 11 Broadway shows, including her most famous song, Shine on Harvest Moon, which she debuted with her co-writer and husband, Jack Norworth, in the Ziegfeld Follies of 1908. Here's what the Jewish Women's Archive had to say about her. Known as a willful and temperamental star, Bayes relied on her own charisma and popularity as she resisted managerial control, ignored the details of legal contracts, and refused to follow the rules set by theater administrators. In these battles with male businessmen, and in her unconventional personal life, Bayes provides some flamboyant, indeed extreme, examples of the broad social changes happening in the United States in the early 20th century, namely the questioning of traditional roles for women, as well as the challenges to male political and economic power that marked the women's movement of the time. Unfortunately, there are no recordings of Nora Bayes performing her signature tune, but here, nearly 60 years later, is the great Rosemary Clooney demonstrating that song's timeless appeal. Shine on, shine on, harvest moon Up in the sky Eyes had no lovin' since January, February, June or July Snow time, ain't no time to stay Outdoors and spoon So shine on, shine on harvest moon For me and my guy This brings us to Dorothy Fields, the lyricist whose amazing 50-year career stretched from the vaudeville era to the age of rock. Using her gift for natural, direct language, and a great ear for slang and contemporary speech, she wrote some of the best-known standards in the American songbook. She was born into a show business family. Her father was Lou Fields of the team of Weber and Fields. After retiring from performing, Lou became one of Broadway's most successful producers. However, he did everything he could to keep his children out of show business. But he made a big mistake when he assigned young Dorothy the task of organizing his scrapbooks. At first, she was interested only in reading his rave reviews, but very soon she became fascinated by what the critics had to say about what makes a show a hit, what material works and what material doesn't. She became obsessed with show business. Not long after, a friend suggested that she try her hand at writing lyrics, and after some trial and error, she partnered with Irish-American composer Jimmy McHugh to provide material for a low-budget musical review. Well, Lou Fields attempted to put his foot down, telling her, ladies don't write lyrics. And she retorted, I'm not a lady, I'm your daughter. The song was cut after the first night, but undaunted, they took it to producer Lou Leslie, who hired the team, possibly because they were cheap, to provide the entire score for his Blackbirds of 1928. And the song was I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Gee, I'd like to see you looking swell, baby. Diamond bracelets Woolworth doesn't sell, baby. Until that lucky day you know darn well, baby. I can't give you anything but love. This breakthrough hit proved that women writers could compete with men on Broadway, and the early 1930s produced a bumper crop of them. You might call them the Daughters of Dorothy. Composer-lyricist Anne Rennell, 
originally Anne Rosenblatt, was a Radcliffe College-trained composer who wrote everything from lyrics to musical comedy tunes to sweeping motion picture scores. She served as music director for several Broadway shows and was romantically entwined with George Gershwin. Her most famous songs are Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf and that great jazz standard Willow Weep for Me. Willow weep for me Willow weep for me Bend your branches green Along the stream that runs to sea Listen to my plea Listen and willow weep for me At the time, there was speculation that Gershwin had actually written that song, since its style was so similar to his blues-inflected compositions. But Anne Rennell was just very much in tune with Gershwin's style and methods, and simply wrote her own Gershwin-inspired melody. Sad as I can be, hear me willow and weep for me. Or perhaps Gershwin was influenced by her. Perhaps. Kay Swift was another of Gershwin's lovers who found great success writing music. In fact, she was the very first woman to compose the first full score of a Broadway musical. The show was called Fine and Dandy, and the title song became a jazz standard. She is all fine and dandy, sugar candy, when I've got you. At one point in 1931, there were only two hit musicals running on Broadway. One was Gershwin's Girl Crazy, and the other was Kay Swift's Fine and Dandy. People who were in the know about the relationship called them the golden couple of Broadway. But when you're handy, it's fine and dandy. But when you're gone, what can I do? Kay was Gershwin's closest musical associate. Her handwritten notes and suggestions can be seen in his manuscript of Porgy and Bess. And after his untimely death, it was Kay who completed many of his unfinished works. Meanwhile, Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh continued producing an amazing string of hits, including On the Sunny Side of the Street. That song was from Lou Leslie's International Review, a Ziegfeld-like extravaganza where it was introduced by another son of Russian-Jewish immigrants who became a big Broadway star, song and dance man Harry Richmond. Grab your coat and get your hat. Then in the mid-1930s, like most successful songwriters, Dorothy was lured to Hollywood, where she began to write with other composers, including Jerome Kern. Most famously, they wrote the score for the Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers classic Swing Time, 
which included the Oscar-winning best song, The Way You Look Tonight. Dorothy Fields was now, without a doubt, one of the top lyricists in show business. One of her biggest hits was called I Feel a Song Coming On. She later admitted that the song just doesn't come on. I've always had to tease it out, squeeze it out, and anyone that tells you that a song is something that's an inspiration, I hate that word, it's hard slave labor. It's slave labor and I love it. After several more movies, she returned to New York and Broadway, where she teamed up with her brother, Herbert Fields, and together they wrote the books for three hit 1940s Cole Porter musicals, Let's Face It, Mexican Hayride, and Something for the Boys. This last one starring the biggest female star of the day and arguably the biggest Broadway star of all time, Ethel Merman. Ethel and Dorothy became great friends, and soon Dorothy came up with an idea for a new project that the two of them could work on together, a musical about the legendary sharpshooter Annie Oakley starring Ethel Merman with a book by Herbert and Dorothy, lyrics by Dorothy, and music by Jerome Kern. Then tragically, just as the production team was being assembled for what looked to be a surefire hit, Jerome Kern suffered a massive stroke and died. The producers of the show were Rodgers and Hammerstein, who had become so successful producing their own shows that they had branched out to producing plays and musicals by other writers. They suggested the ideal replacement, Irving Berlin. But since Berlin always wrote his own lyrics, Dorothy relinquished that job and concentrated on the book. Annie Get Your Gun was a giant hit, one of the biggest ever, and it made Dorothy a very wealthy woman. And now, little lady, if you'll kindly step up to the parapet, I'll give you a lesson in marksmanship. You couldn't give me a lesson in long-distance spitting. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm greater than you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I can shoot a partridge with a single cartridge. I can get a sparrow with a bow and arrow. I can live on bread and cheese. And only on that? Yes. So can a rat. During that same decade, another female lyricist debuted on Broadway. She was half of the team of Betty Comden and Adolph Green. And together they wrote the script and or lyrics, usually both, for 17 Broadway musicals. They began as nightclub performers doing a witty act that featured lots of topical humor and song parodies. Their good friend, Leonard Bernstein, would often show up at their gigs and take over the piano playing himself. When Lenny was offered the opportunity to write a Broadway show about three sailors on shore leave, he insisted that Betty and Adolph be hired as writers and performers. The show was on the town, and it made all three of them famous at the tender age of 26. New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. We've got one day here and not enough minute to see the famous sights. We'll find the romance and danger waiting in it beneath the Broadway life. But we have a The Bronx is up and the battery's down. The people ride in a hole in the ground. 
decades, Betty and Adolf met every morning and set to work with a freshness and enthusiasm that astonished their colleagues. Many people assumed they were married, and they were, just not to each other. They were in a category all their own, unchallenged as the longest-running act on Broadway. Adolph Green attributed the team's success to Betty. She was always unforgivably responsible, he told the New York Times. She is always on time for everything, while I am late for anything. I have lived for years in the shadow of an overwhelming suspicion that all our collaborations have, in reality, been solo efforts, written by Betty alone. Without her, I'm nothing. Betty insisted that she was not the secret to the team's triumphs. Everything is together, she said. We don't divide the work up. We develop a mental radar, bounce lines off one another, and added that she could not imagine life without the collaboration. The musicals that Comden and Green created feature a series of strong female characters that, like Betty, are transgressive women who break the conventions of their day and can do it all. Some girls make magazine covers, some girls keep house on a dime, some girls make wonderful lovers, but what a lucky find I'm, I'd make a magazine cover, I do keep house on a dime, I'd make a wonderful lover, I should be paid over time, cause I can bake too, on top of the lot my oven's the hottest you'll find, yes I can my chickens just lose, my gravy will lose your mind. I'm a brand new note on a table d'hote, but just try me a la carte. With a single course, you could choke a horse, baby. You won't know where to start. Oh, I'm an order, a jelly preserve, not in the recipe book. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and even here in Seattle, warmer, sunnier days are on their way. So it's time to fuel up for them and meet your wellness goals with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Thanks to Factors' menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, or my favorite, Vegetarian, Factors' fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. So what are you waiting for? Kickstart that new healthy routine with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week so you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can crush those wellness goals with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make every day delicious from breakfast to dessert with restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. With no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. With Factor, you enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle, choosing from six menu preferences that help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com BN50 and use code BN50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BN50 at factormeals.com BN50 as in Broadway Nation 50, and you'll get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do it today! 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now let's turn our attention to Bella Spiewak. She was born Bella Cohen, in 1899 in Transylvania. Bella's parents were already divorced in 1902 when Bella and her mother emigrated to New York. Like so many of the inventors of Broadway, she grew up in the crowded tenements of the Lower East Side. But unlike many of them, she graduated from high school, and in 1913, she found a job as a reporter for a small newspaper. And in 1922, she married Sam Spiewak, a foreign correspondent for the New York World. They spent a few years as news correspondents in Moscow before returning to the States and settling down just outside New York where Sam wrote novels and Sam and Bella collaborated on plays. Their first Broadway success was Boy Meets Girl, a satire about a writing team looking for the secret to success. And in that play, they seem to have invented the now legendary plot formula Boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl. They went on to apply that formula to several Hollywood screenplays, mostly for B pictures. In 1938, the Speedwax wrote the libretto for Cole Porter's Leave It to Me, which introduced the song My Heart Belongs to Daddy, which was sung by newcomer Mary Martin. The Speedwax were well known as a turbulent couple and were not actually speaking to each other in early 1948 when they were approached to write the book for another Cole Porter show, Kiss Me Kate. Bella initially began working on Kiss Me Kate alone, but finally agreed to bring Sam on to help with the plot. Sam had always been the story partner of the team, while Bella was a genius with character and dialogue. Together, they completed the book sometimes speaking through intermediaries, and despite, or perhaps because of their conflicts, considering the subject matter, <laughs> right, they went on to win Tony Awards as Best Author and Best Musical. In 1953, they wrote My Three Angels, a play that was very popular for many years and was adapted into the Humphrey Bogart film We're No Angels. But Kiss Me Kate was by far their career high point. However... Bella did leave another lasting legacy. While working as a publicist for the Girl Scouts, it was Bella who came up with the idea of raising revenue by selling cookies. So next time you enjoy a Thin Mint or a peanut butter tag-along, you can thank Bella Spiewak. Mary Rogers was the talented daughter of Richard Rogers, and she was a composer in her own right. She made her Broadway debut in 1959 with Once Upon a Mattress, a fractured fairy tale starring young Carol Burnett. I've always been shy. I confess that I'm shy. Can't you guess that this confident air is a mask that I wear cause I'm shy. And you may be sure, way down deep I'm demure. Though some people I know might deny it, at bottom I'm quiet and Mattress had a healthy run and is still very popular with student and community theater productions. And remarkably, it was produced and presented on television three different times. 
try, God knows I try, though I'm frightened and shy, and despite the impression I give, I confess that I'm living a lie, because I'm actually terribly timid and horribly shy. After a couple of other not-so-successful on- and off-Broadway shows, Mary gave up on the theater to concentrate on writing children's fiction, which included the novel Freaky Friday. And also she focused on raising her children, one of whom is Adam Gettle, the composer-lyricist who wrote the Broadway musical Light in the Piazza. What an amazingly talented family. One of the best lyricists to emerge in the 50s and 60s was Carolyn Lee. Her first Broadway job was contributing lyrics to the musical version of Peter Pan, starring Mary Martin. She then teamed up with jazz pianist Cy Coleman on a number of very sophisticated pop songs, Witchcraft, The Best is Yet to Come, It Amazes Me, and many, many more. And they also collaborated on a number of moderately successful musicals, all of which produced big hit songs. Hey, look the old and be Fresh outflow mortgage up to here. But don't pass the plate, folks. Don't pass the cup. I figure whenever you down and out, the only way is up and out. Unfortunately, Carolyn Lee was a strange, difficult woman. I don't mean difficult in the sense that every strong woman gets called a bitch. I mean, she seems to have had some real challenges when it comes to working as part of a team. One mild example is a director cut one of her songs from a score. It just wasn't working, and everybody on the team acknowledged that, except for Lee. She marched out into the street, pulled a cop into the theater, and tried to have the director arrested. Well, that sort of behavior derailed her career. After a while, no one wanted to work with her which was a shame because she was incredibly talented. Her lyrics for Peter Pan enchanted the nation when that show became the first Broadway musical adapted for TV. When it was broadcast in 1955, it was watched by an unprecedented 65 million people. High over the moon, higher I Meanwhile, Dorothy Fields continued writing in top form through the 1950s, including two big hits, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn and the 1959 Best Musical Tony Award winner, the musical murder mystery Redhead, which starred Gwen Verdon and was directed and choreographed by Bob Fosse. Then, for the first time, Dorothy's career hit a lull. In 1965, she turned 60 and started to think of herself as retired against her will. One night at a cocktail party, composer Cy Coleman, who had been working with Carolyn Lee, asked Dorothy if she would like to collaborate with him on a new show. She grabbed his arm and whispered, thank God, I thought I was dead. 
The show turned out to be Sweet Charity. A hard-edged, absolutely up-to-the-minute story of a dancehall girl looking for love. Dorothy was again working with top collaborators, Gwen Verdon, Bob Fosse, and Neil Simon. And Dorothy's lyrics astonished everyone. She had not lost her ear for contemporary speech. Phrase after hip phrase perfectly captured the zeitgeist of the swinging 60s. The minute you walked in the joint, I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender, good looking, so refined. Wouldn't you like to know what's going on in my mind? So let me get right to the point. I don't pop my cork for every guy I see. Seven years later, Coleman and Fields teamed up for one final show, Seesaw. Seesaw got uh, mixed reviews, but enjoyed a healthy run and included some fantastic songs. Sadly, Coleman and Fields' partnership was cut short the next year by Dorothy's death at the age of 68. But what a career! For nearly a half century, from the 1920s to the 1970s, her lyrics, smart, conversational, and beautifully crafted, delighted the American public. If they could see me now, that little gang of mine, I'm eating fancy chow and drinking fancy wine. I'd like those Stombo bums to see for a fact the kind of top drawer, first rate chums I attract. All I can say is, wow, we look at where I am. Tonight I landed, pow, right in a pot of jam. What a setup, holy cow. They'd never believe it if my friends could see me now. On the next episode of Broadway Nation, we will continue our celebration of the amazing women who invented Broadway, including that cross-dressing dancer, singer, actress, director, and producer who broke all the rules. She was known as the mother of burlesque, Lydia Thompson. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. My co-host on this episode was the wonderful Albert Evans. Our recording technician is the indispensable Nick Terabini. And special thanks to the entire team at The Voice of Vashon, 101.9 KVSH, on beautiful Vashon Island, Washington. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.